Welcome to the casted pod of writing of which you will have need. One more time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the casted pod of writing of which you will have need. I, I know that's not our title. All of it's you the kids, only writing podcast you will ever need. All of you kids with your iPods that I know you have in your pockets, you can cast those, cast those into the pond that we have here on SVSU property with the two fake swans that some of us think are real. Those are... No. Bill, this is the only writing podcast that you will ever need. It was a day where Shrek felt the need to come out of his beloved swamp and go somewhere for a tasty morsel. He was debating whether, spell wrong, to go to Wendy's or McDonald's. He let his heart decide and he went to McDonald's. Shrek was thinking about how he left his swamp only to get a juicy burger. How he left Donkey to drown in his dirty swamp waters. What? He thought past that, entering the food establishment, which emitted a yellow glow. <laughs> Ronald stood by the cashier counter, smoking his mixed cigarette. Oh my god. He stared at the ceiling, thinking about his love, his ex-girlfriend, Wendy. He hated her, oh my god. but still felt jealous that she left him for the Burger King. Oh no. Yes, he has a hot body, but what else? He has nothing but a plastered smile on his face. Ronald knew Burger King was hiding something behind that. Ronald was distracted from his thoughts when a hot green ogre burst through the door, oh, mouth no, drooling, no, hungry no. for a moist burger. No, no, no. And what if, Ronald thought, he could be hungry for love? Oh my God, no. Ronald's mixed cigarette dropped out of his mouth in surprise. Oh my God, I'm not he ready for this. He stepped on it. No. Though he, though he did want to burn down the McDonald's he was trapped in. Oh no. The ogre went to the cashier desk. Ronald was nearby. And ordered at the scared cashier, I'll have two number nines, a number nine large, a number mm. six with extra dip, a number seven, Jesus two number Christ. 45s, one with cheese and a large soda. That's a lot. lot the ogre told the cashier, which, by the way, his name was Dave. Cool. Ronald <laughs> stared at the ogre, adoring his soft green color, his ears, and his wonderful nose. Mm. Ronald went up to the ogre and asked for his name. <laughs> Shrek, he responded. Shrek the ogre. No. Ronald already knew he was an ogre, but Shrek, what a beautiful name. I have a gourmet special in the play place. Want to come? Ronald asked. Shrek nodded. Oh my God, no. Ronald led Shrek into a red plastic tube, which smelled like socks. I don't the know. Smell if we of need socks to... turned Shrek on almost immediately. We need to. Are you ready it. for my special lover boy? No. Ronald teased. No. Shrek smirked with a casual DreamWorks face. <laughs> of course I am. What? Shrek started. Nope, we're done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. This is over. It's done. <laughs> How are you doing today? <laughs> I was, I was having a good day until this happened. Okay. We'll make sure in the show notes to credit whoever wrote that. <laughs> All right. So with that cold open, how are you? How, I'm not asking you how your Valentine's Day was again. So um, it was a just like that. No. <laughs> no. Oh my lord. Okay, so because of this cold open, let's get into what we're talking about today. Obviously, it, it's um, Shrek fan fiction. That's it. Uh, I well, it's it's fandoms, Garrett. <laughs> Fa toxic toxic fandoms in general. 
What does that mean? <laughs> so, basically, what is a fandom? Let's be honest. Let's let's get down and serious. Well, I just first, read a fantastic for, novel. For, okay, so first <laughs> off, um, we're today. Our prompt today is to write a video essay, basically of t- about toxic fandoms. So. A fandom is a um, group of like-minded people. Yeah. It's a group of like-minded people who enjoy a particular property uh, of media. It can be anything. Literally anything. To be completely honest, I think think fandoms in the modern culture are identified as people who are into like bands or shows or book series or specific characters but like even. a sports but fandom exists that's, that's too where but they I call it going. something different is the thing they call it like a fan base but at the end of the day they're, they're a fandom. fandom or like if you follow a specific political figure you're honestly you're honestly from the the like like how you're the, a Putin fan? The um yeah the Vladimir Putin fandom or something like that like there's there's stuff like that where you <laughs> we we often kind of um derogatorily like refer to fandoms as just people who watch like shows and become obsessed with shows but fandoms yeah. are really just like big groups of people who are really a fan of something yes so at the end of the day it... what happens when it gets weird in a fandom what it, do we call this it's called toxic fandom why is it toxic um it gets kind of toxic that you didn't like my my story okay listen it was it um it was something it was something it was something right um and i'm allowed to recognize me for recognize me for you didn't write this garrett (laughs) yeah but i read it aloud no your reading was great it was a great close reading of this Great close reading, like sight Vincent reading. Marco taught me. <laughs> it was a great reading of this I'll, fan fiction. I'll be sure to analyze that for symbols later. Anyway, um, so fandoms tend to get toxic uh, due to certain behaviors that are viewed as not great. Like, right. um, there's certain like things- writing fan fiction like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, certain fan fiction um, shipping can get really toxic if you're like, oh, well, my ship is the only one. It's like, no, everyone is subjective. Your ship does not have to be right, and you do not have to threaten. So, so what creators. is shipping? Shipping is when you watch or read a series or a movie or whatever, and um, two characters seem to have chemistry. And you think that they should get together in the fandom. That's right. kind of what shipping is. So it's a whole thing of like, oh, we got to like, oh, these two are really cute together. They have a lot of chemistry. They seem to kind of be flirting. They got banter. Uh, I hope they get together. And that's kind of how it goes. That's how it's supposed to be. It's just kind of like this thing of like, oh, and like you can make head cannons or whatever about it. Um, but generally... The toxic thing to do would be to try and pressure the creator into making it canon, which is kind of what happens a lot of the time. Or you will like someone else will have the opposite type of ship and you'll get into arguments with them on Twitter over it or whatever. Um, So anyway, it's just things like that, like gatekeeping as well, like being all like, oh, women can't like comics or women can't like Marvel or superheroes, like that type of stuff. Um. So I think like let's let's kind Things of like that. let's kind of um, 
build up a list of things that make a fandom toxic. So we started with like shipping, which yep. could always come come under the broad, the more broad like category of trying to influence creators, yes. trying to influence the writers and the producers of a show to make the show fit what your vision for it is, even though you have no control over yep, exactly. like what it is. Then there's also the gatekeeping aspect of, yep. um, this happens a lot in sports fan groups where, um, a lot of them are not open to women. A lot of them are not open to minorities where they're like, mm -hmm. our team is specifically like this. I'm a huge soccer fan. I know that. And I'm a huge European soccer fan and European fan like soccer fan groups are very ethnically based and very oftentimes like class based. Yeah. Um, just for an example, I'm really, um, I love Serbia. I love like studying Serbian history. So I study or I watch a lot of Serbian soccer as well. And one of those, one of their big rivalries is between yeah. the two teams in Belgrade. So Red Star Belgrade and Partisan Belgrade, which like their history goes really far back and their fan groups gatekeep each other based on like working class lines. Did you side with right. the communists when they were in power? Like stuff like that. It's just something like that where that's a, a sports example, but like in, in more like fiction or like show examples, it's like, no, a woman can't watch marvel no our fan our fandom is not open to lgbtq plus people yep. like stuff like that or like so, oh stop trying to put representation into like a great line that everything pe people keep applying to things today like that is like oh why is this property x property getting political it's like right no it's just there's another that's another thing is just to <laughs> one one thing that can make fandoms toxic is politicizing them Yep. is making them entirely about something that they're not because at the core of it a fandom is meant to be an inclusive space yes where everyone can talk about something that they enjoy they can get together talk about like-minded interests and like build relationships with each other whereas yep. at the core of it what makes it toxic is when there's a space that doesn't promote this sort of activity yeah so that's that's shown through like trying to influence the creators to make it your show um trying to gatekeep others from being a part of it writing really weird fan fiction about it where you're trying to like fantasize <clears throat> about like um how shrek gets with ronald mcdonald I'm sorry. That excuse me. No, that was I'm, not fantasy. I, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but um, yeah, things like that. Um, a lot of the time, it also gets toxic when people like fan fiction is also super touchy just gen in general because generally it's like it's, it's just most of the time it's harmless yeah, it's just it's just people it's trying to take their ideas and put it into a way where they're not influencing yeah the creators. and there's like this stigma about fa writing fan fiction and like i just want to address this right quick just because to be perfectly honest, I'm a writer. I really like to write things and I have original properties, but a great way to practice your writing and hone your writing to see if you can get better at it is making fan fiction. It's right. super easy at that point for you to just take a, for you to just take a property that already exists and be like, okay, let me see if I can't either take the main characters and alter their plot to see if I can't like figure out a way that I would like to write the plot that works or like what I generally do, I'll make original characters and kind of put them into a plot that already pre-exists. Right. And, and they I mesh with the characters. The, what it's not all the smart, guys. What becomes the stigma around fan fiction is the fan fictions that are kind of applying to our topic today, mm -hmm. where we're talking about um, people who take their, their characters that they ship together 
and then they um, write a essentially like erotic novel about them. Smut. <laughs> right. And then essentially there's also like fan fiction about literal human beings. Like like I'm thinking about like One Direction fan fiction where like one of the One Direction fan fictions like started a rumor that they were like two of the band members were sleeping together. And that's when it becomes toxic is because yeah. a lot of a lot of. The <clears throat> issues with fan fiction is a lot of these people, or no, I'm not going to say a lot. Some of these people are writing these um, pieces of work without the consideration that they might be writing about real people. Yeah, it's also, it that like actually became a really toxic part of the uh, Markiplier and Jack Septicai fans for a hominid because there was this ship called Septiplier where everyone was just like, oh, these two have such great chemistry. They should get together. They seem really, like, they seem like they would be a good couple. And people would make, would write fan fiction about it, make fan art, and then tag them in it. So they would be all like, oh, what's this notification? Click on it and then see that. And it's like, it got to a point where they were like, they had to publicly address it and be like, guys, stop sending us this stuff. Stop trying to say that we're gay. We are just friends. Like, it's none of your business what our orientation is, one, to begin with. Two, stop trying to have this whole thing of joking with us, like, getting together. Like, for a minute, they kind of played into it, but it was jokes. It wasn't meant to be serious, but people took it seriously. So it was this kind of whole thing that they eventually were like, you guys need to stop. Right. We are two living people who have lives outside of this. We both, I think at the time they both had girlfriends. It's like, we are in relationships and we are not gay. And you have to stop being like, but you are, I know you are. No, you don't. You don't know me in real life. Like not right. many fans can be like, oh yes, I personally know Mark. Not many, not many fans get the, the opportunity that Ethan Nestor of Crank Gameplays got. He was already a Markiplier fan. Happened to meet him at a convention and then happened to work for him for a while. Right. And, and they I became think friends. And that's a not, that doesn't happen very often. One of the things we're also kind of starting to get at is one of like, I think it might be our fourth or fifth condition of like what makes fandoms potentially toxic yep. is when you kind of blur that lens of these people are real people. Mm -hmm. And it's like that's where we get into issues like stalking whereas like a lot of these people become so obsessed with these bands or with these actors or with these yeah. like creators that they start to stalk them they start to um like come up to them in public and stuff like that and that's where it gets toxic is because a lot of creators and a lot of these people embrace their fandoms because this is something that is like a a, a source of pride for them like a lot of yep. youtube creators that i know um, they love their fans because they're sh it shows that they're reaching people. It shows that right. they're doing something um, that means something to people. And that's kind of the goal of most creators, most YouTube creators, is to at least influence the people that they're trying to right. reach. Whereas when a fandom becomes toxic, that puts their life in danger, that puts their their whole like purpose of making their content at risk because they're like at this point like why should i keep making content when these people are putting my own life at risk and yep. that's something that i think people when they're 
in a fandom that's becoming toxic, they start to blur that lens of like these are yeah. real people beyond their character, like their persona. Like on, you blur, online. yeah. Like some fans will blur this reality and thinking that like, oh, I just I know them very well. It's like you you really you know their don't. character. Yeah, it's we like you know about, what they willingly put on the internet. We talked about this in my literature class recently. When you mm-hmm. are analyzing poetry, you look for a voice and a persona, like from the poet in the specific poem that you're looking at right but like you have to remember the speaker isn't always the same as the author right in this in the persona or the voice that is coming from the poet isn't always the poet like how they present to the world outside of poetry and like that's something that i think is helpful when you're reading poetry but it's something that we also kind of have to consider at all points like um yeah for example like i'm trying to think like Russell Brand plays like a lot. Do you remember him? Like he dated Katy Perry for a while. I'm kind of remember like, him. He was the British dude with like long hair and a beard. Yeah, he but was. In he a lot played of a like lot of early, early, like mid two thousands. Yeah, and he early two thousand tens. Because people, um, I don't know much of the story, but people assume that the characters he played in movies were exactly who he was, and that became like kind of canon for the world, and that's like. But and like then his thing was that he was kind of like almost stoner esque. I, I feel. no, he was like a dick in all of his characters. Was he? Like he he was a douchey character all the time, and like people like took that and and ran with it. And I think that's that might be a bad example. I might be completely thinking of a different person, but that's what I'm kind of getting at. Is a lot of sometimes he taught these toxic fandoms have the potential to create this idea that all of these of people's this, yeah. or all these actors and all these creators are the characters that they present yeah. and not real people. The funny thing actually about that type of stuff is <laughs> just slight side tangent. It's kind of funny. Um, but from what I've heard about people in the industry, actors and stuff, it tends to be, that the actors who play the best villains, for instance, you're watching Game of Thrones, the kid who plays Joffrey, everybody talks about him in interviews and stuff, and he's one of the nicest people these these other actors had ever met. But he can play such a dick in the show. And it's a similar thing with people who play... I mean, there's also people who've played a lot of really heroic roles that aren't that great of people like you kind of learn that oh these people are actually kind of dicks on set and things like that like they kind of assume that they can get away with things and whatnot like things like that um someone who kind of comes to mind at the moment is amber heard just because she's got that whole thing with johnny depp going right now um like she comes to mind but there's also a few other like actors who i don't care that much about where it's like yeah they play a lot of really cool roles so you would think they'd be a cool person but then like on set they're kind of entitled dicks right and i think now that we've kind of gotten our conditions down we've brought up a couple of examples we should talk about what a video essay is and what we're outlining in this episode essentially so video essays uh generally are kind of they're almost like it's it's very similar to writing a specific essay for something but instead of publishing it a lot of like especially educational youtubers will go into what is called a video essay so they will Generally, they kind of do what we're doing. We're sitting in front of a microphone. And we're kind of talking about stuff. Hey, camera. Hi, camera. Um, we have no cameraman behind it, but we'll wave. Um, so it's kind of this thing that like they'll 
they'll kind of bring up a topic they'll talk about it and especially if they have examples they you can what's really useful for a video essay you can pull up specific um clips yeah specific clips and stuff like images a, videos a really good one that came out kind of recently is Lindsay ellis did a really good video essay it's like an hour long but it's on the history of like transphobia in media and so she goes through this whole like this whole thing and she does clips from everything from when like trans trans characters first showed up in movies to kind of how they ended up started being portrayed like throughout the 90 the 80s and the 90s um up until today and it was it's really interesting to kind of see how it goes and she breaks it up into like chapters of throughout throughout history and time and gets into like segments and so it's just like a way of going into a detailed thing and kind of providing that video evidence while also getting a chance to kind of talk about a topic that really needs to be discussed. Another video essayist that I watch a lot of is James Somerton. He does a lot of like queer coding theory type video essays. He does this really good one called Monsters in the Closet that's about um, the queer coding that goes into horror cinema. Like there's a lot of it. And like he did a whole segment on aliens, which completely opened my eyes to the fact that like all of the characters are very gender neutral that they were encouraged to play everything as gender neutral because like in this post-apocalyptic this like well not post-apocalyptic but like this future. this far off future gender doesn't matter that much right and everybody can they don't like put the misogyny the, and sexism you're into the conservatives it. worst nightmare right now using that statement <laughs> um, i want to be the conservatives worst nightmare but um, do i not look liberal <laughs> no and the uh that's i also watch a lot of video essays and i think you kind of start off by describing it the perfect way it's literally just a visual visual format of what you, you would do in a normal essay yep where you start off with that introduction where you would do we can kind of seamlessly blend into our outline here you would do what we kind of did by explaining what's a fandom yep. that would be your first kind of start of your introduction you'd explain give examples show like clips of like different um, like fandom meetups and stuff like that. Yep. And then you kind of explain like toxic fandoms. And then you'd show like videos of like, there's gotta be like videos of like people getting weird. Oh, there, I can guarantee you there are somewhere on the internet. Right. And then essentially you'd kind of, it's not exactly like you're using a thesis, but you're kind of trying to display, what are you showing? Like, what are you maybe not arguing isn't the best word but what are you trying to get across in this video you know yeah. what i mean so for us it's like because like usually it's an educational type thing but it can to a degree kind of have a bit of an argument to it um to bring up james somerton again a lot of his stuff because he also is part of the lgbtq community he's a gay man um he strives to want to bring awareness to the fact that people of the LGBTQ plus community deserve better representation in media that right. they should not place as much into the stereotypes of what's going on. So he delves into the history. And so stuff I think it. that our essential argument or our essential purpose for this video, it's don't almost be better to think of it in, in like terms of what's the purpose for this video essay. It's maybe not exactly don't the be argument. a toxic fan. That's, That's my purpose. It. The purpose is like <laughs> the purpose is showing you what creates a toxic fandom, how to avoid doing this. Yep. So, with that, we kind of break it down into our segments of what makes a fandom toxic. Yep. Here are examples, and then our we'd show like for um, what did we start with? We started with um, 
trying to influence the creators yep and stuff like that so we talk about shipping we talk about um just trying to gaslight like yep. don't creators. send threats to the creators don't try like, to reach out like to the that. creators and be like you should write this this way because i know this character better than you do don't and then like don't. that's the thing is we can always like like if we're talking about shipping we can be like you you are by all means able to ship two characters together in your mind mm-hmm. and if you want to this could be our seamless theme like seamless segue into <laughs> um into like talking about toxic fan fiction yep. and we can be like if you want to ship two characters and create a new plot ship them absolutely like in a in, in write your own fan fiction but at the yep. same time let's not get weird with it yeah let's not write a fan fiction about shrek and ronald mcdonald let's stop <laughs> also let's not, or like the other thing too is kind of that idea of I guess, like, some fan fiction that exists that actually gets turned into its own property. Like, it's not necessarily toxic, but it is just... It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird in the copyright sense. Fifty Shades, After, like, all of those. Uh, City of Bones, even, actually, was kind of... Like, the Shadowhunter series was also, like, Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, And it's just kind of... Like, City of Bones, I feel, at least, was less of a ripoff. Because mm-hmm. it was more like, oh, we'll take similar... Like, Cassandra Clare kind of was like, oh, well, I have similar themes. Like, for instance, there's kind of that thing of like, oh, well, I've got um, a group that thinks they're elite compared to other people. So it's very similar to Voldemort and the Death Eaters. And there's like... They call, like, normal people mundanes. So it's similar to muggles. Like, little things like that that kind of harken back to the original source material versus Fifty Shades, which is just pretty much an entire ripoff. Right. And after and was that's just kind of Harry, that's kind of Harry something Styles an fiction. example that we can we can show for like ways that fan fiction gets toxic and explain like how do you avoid this and use like your examples of like taking in injecting new characters into an existing plot, taking right. characters writing them into a new plot and like you should always be writing with the intention of this is for me. Mm-hmm. This is for my own like mind and like if I post it on like Wattpad or like one of the other like fan fiction sites, this is so I can share this. I don't want to profit off of other people's right. ideas essentially. I think that's something that um, just to take us off topic for a minute, I work in the community as, as part of like the SVSU Writing Center. I work for our community writing center and one of one of the most like beneficial people that i keep seeing that makes me really think about like my own writing is a um older man who wants ideas of how to like start writing more formally or writing for an audience and stuff like that and we're always like he's very self-conscious about trying to make his writing like good in right mirror like mirror like the authors he reads and stuff like that and it's like one of the things that I keep telling him and what um, Emma, my partner at the Community Writing Center, keep telling him is we're like, you're writing for you first. Right. And then if you feel like you want other people to read it, that's when you work on publishing it. And you don't ever have to work worry about like, is this good? Because if you're proud of it, publish it. Do what you want with it. Right. Exactly. Like, that's the kind of thing is like, I mean, like personally, I would love to be an, like an actual author and have that be my full time job. But at the same time, I... Also, like, I know that trying to go in writing stories that I think would appeal to, like, a specific audience that I want to reach is not the best way to do it. So that's, like, you know, I think that I that's... try to come up with my original things. And some of my original stuff, 
like the ideas that I have. I'm really like excited to finish, but also the depression's been hitting super hard. So I haven't written anything in like three years. So it's just that thing too is like as much as I like to write, as much as I love the idea of making new characters and putting them into situations and stuff, as much as I like these ideas, sometimes they just they're just kind of there and then they disappear. Other times right. I might try to actually put them to paper. Right. And I think that that's something that like even it's just something that you should always consider when you're writing, whether it be for a class mm-hmm. or whether it be for yourself is you're writing primarily for yourself. You, you, when you're writing, you're always using your own voice and like, you need to always keep that in mind because you, when you get so worried about like what other people think and what, um, how is this going to be perceived? That's you're, when you stop. Right. And you lose your voice. And especially with these types of video essays, I think that's another thing too. With video essays, you can be a little bit more informal in the fact that it's like, these are my opinions. This is how I feel about and, stuff. And here's and some of the research I have to back see, it up. You can directly see this is at, as like the creator's voice because you're exactly. watching them. Right. You're watching them make this stuff. They'll crack jokes and stuff or, you know, insert a clip that's funny, like that type of stuff. It's, it's really just, it's kind of a, I like, I think they're very useful because they're a, entertaining way to learn about things right because reading an essay like reading somebody's published essay about this topic going on can be kind of boring especially if it's not this is something that like i've i've thought about a lot because i'm trying to enter the professional field of academia for history right but one of the things that i i the reason i'm i'm getting a minor in public history is because i want to like kind of get the tools of how to display research and history to the public in an effective way. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people haven't yet been really able to like start considering even in the, especially in the field of history is like, how do we make this palatable in a modern day? Because history is always a step behind usually. Right. And that's one of my goals is to make video essays like this, where I'm able to display historical research in a way that I can write an essay and publish it in a journal for like colleagues of people who actually care like me on like a deep level about this topic and then right. i can make video essays about like the same thing and it's essentially a little palatable. more reachable to the audience it's palatable for people who are like i have not read the nomo the nomo canon from the 1300s exactly like i haven't read that and i don't want to right i can explain stuff like that to people through this and i think that's the kind of the the top like appeal of video essays is they make sometimes really complex topics very palatable for people oh yeah that's why i'm excited about this podcast like this is why i really enjoy working on this podcast is i really do enjoy talking about writing i really enjoy talking about pop media culture stuff too so it's like for us to kind of be able to kind of at times mix that in together so we can just have a good talk and possibly be educational but also have fun while we do it and people can like just enjoy listening to what we say i love that because because it's like it's it's, it's cool. something that like like we were kind of already talking about now and it's it's weirdly off topic from a, a video essay about toxic fandoms but like people are so nervous when they write people oftentimes are so afraid of what they're perceived as that like you said you lose your voice you forget mm-hmm. like what you're there for and it's something that like even if it's nonfiction writing or if it's fiction writing people hate thinking about how it's going to be perceived and especially here on campus like us as tutors we on a constant day-to-day basis we kind of deal with students who 
they the number one question is does this make sense right it's like does this make sense i don't and I'm even like, know does if it, it make does. sense to you yeah like a lot of the time they're like i don't know if this makes sense and it's just like it, it's and generally a lot of the time when they say that stuff too it's like i see what you're trying to go get at a lot of the time like a lot of the time it's either yeah it makes perfect sense and i don't know why you're worried about it or other times sometimes it's like yeah they're they'll have like great ideas on the board it just needs us to be like have you I'd thought go a little about bit this? more into yeah, I'd go a bit more into detail here. I would back up on some details here. Like we only the only thing we do is we kind of just like as the outside reader, we're kind of like, okay, so here is how I think I can help your vision come to come out better to somebody who doesn't know exactly the material that you're talking about or you know, like what you're doing in your class or like the prompt that you're trying to do. Like I know only the bare bones of your prompt. And it's just kind of things like that that it's like you know, we can, we, that's what we help with. And that's kind of, you know, coming back to what video essayists and educational YouTubers try to do too. They try to make learning and education more palpable and easy for and people who our age understand. Yeah. And yeah, making it more accessible. So that way we all can just like, just watch this video and have a good time, you know, but you still right. learn something in the process. So essentially we kind of got off topic of outlining yeah. but essentially what we were describing goes for everything so we talked about doing our introduction and then starting yep. by breaking it down to the categories we talked about each time and then the examples we were giving like when we were just talking about them is going to be the basis of our argument and our yep. evidence and each time we'll we'll give a way to avoid this toxicity and then we'll just end it with like a general like conclusion of like don't be a toxic fan dude yep it's very easy to do it you just avoid you just avoid you avoid getting into those circles of like-minded people who all think the same thing and just go at it with a thing of it's a subjective work everybody will have different opinions on it and though at the end of the day the the work is something that you're supposed to enjoy you're supposed to just sit there you're supposed to enjoy it and it's meant to be entertainment for people so so i'm gonna there's always the choice that if you don't like it if it's if you're starting to not like it you can simply not watch it not read it not play the game you can stop right so it's always a with that i'm gonna read us out <laughs> with some comments i'm gonna read All us right, out cool. with some, i was gonna say don't continue comments. this story so uh from from one commenter it's this is the best piece of art i've ever read however i had to hide it from my teacher who was behind me Hashtag justice for Dave. <laughs> what am I about to read? I imagined a whole McDXBK fanfic in my head last night, and I happened to stumble upon this magnificent beauty while searching for a McDXBK fanfic. You know what I'm going to write a fanfic for? McDXBanfic. Or BK. What has God led me to today? <laughs> Ain't no way. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> There is no way I'm reading Shrek and Ronald McDonald's smut. <laughs> I want to know what happens to Dave later on now. I'm kind of concerned what happens to Dave. Do they kill him? I don't know. I'll have to keep reading. I was, <laughs> I was getting into it. <laughs> All right. So so with that, you just listened to the only fan fiction podcast you'll ever need. I was Garrett. And I was Bree. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you next week. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the only writing podcast that you will ever need. If you want to find out more, you can visit us on our website at svsu.edu slash writing center. Uh, goodbye.